Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Tonight we have Al from Mexico once again in a panel including Aaron Moritz, also known as Say Days Ago, and a longtime contributor to V Radio, Chibi. Um, gentlemen, go ahead and introduce yourselves, starting with you, Al. Hi, everyone. I'm Al. Remember me from the Once Upon a Time episode? Um, I'm so glad to be back, and I got some more uh, hard facts for you. <laughs> All right. Aaron? Um, hi, my name's Aaron. I, like you said, go by Say Days Ago or The Infinite Yes on uh, YouTube, mostly. Right. And uh, he's also the maker of Capitalism Epic Fail, and the recent, um, you might recognize his voice as being the character who actually knew what the Zeitgeist movement was about in the Zeitgeist movement uh, the Zeitgeist movement exposed. What what did you call that video again? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I was actually both characters. The other one I just pitched my voice down. <laughs> you know, I mean I, I I don't know why it's I keep getting fixated on this, but like the, the, the funniest part of that video for me is still the plotting to take people's stuff away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> This is the room where we plot to take each other's stuff away. <laughs> I don't know why, but that one in particular just stuck with me. And and it's not like I can share the joke with everybody, because unless they've seen that video, they won't understand what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Inside um, joke. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely have to check it out. Right. Um, to those of you who, uh, um, for some reason, have not listened to V Radio very much in the past and would not remember Chibi, I'm going to make Chibi say hi. Um, Hello. Chibi. <laughs> Introduce yourself, Chibi. Chibi. Hi, Chibi. Yeah, hi. I'm Chibi. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, well, guys, uh, I have a few announcements to go over. Um, first of all, uh, I wanted to—I was waiting for a while, really, to see how this would go before I decided to talk about it. But uh, recently, um, some of our troll friends decided to engage in conversation with a fellow by the name of Rick Ross. Uh, you can check out his website, rickross.com. Rick Ross is a cult expert and basically gets called in to uh, testify as an expert witness in any kind of you know court hearings involving cults. Uh, he sells books about cults. He sells DVDs about cults. But mostly, he was you know he was very fair. He's not a supporter of the Zeitgeist movement. And he told me to make it clear that, you know, uh, I mean, it just is in that he hadn't really studied it. It's not really his, his forte. But he sat there and listened while five or six people tried to gang up on me to convince him that um, that we were a cult. And he has consistently stated that they don't have anything and that they've been making a very, very weak argument. And that he is, in fact, up, um, displeased with them for bringing their personal Internet grudges to his forum. Um, so in other words, it's not really going very well for them. And in fact, their endeavor to try to, um, trick a cult expert into, you know, identifying us as a cult has actually backfired on them. Um, it's pretty much the same arguments you always have, but the, the funny thing that I'm finding about this particular argument is that, um, basically that, you know, it's it's different to talk to them in that situation because he's just as big on no personal attack or ad hominem as I am. 
So you have these guys who are accustomed to being able to call me fat every other sentence or something, um, finding themselves completely disarmed and trying to debate with me, and it isn't going very well for them. Uh, James Koosh is probably the one who's doing the best of all of them, and even he, for those of you who have not experienced James Koosh, um, it, you, you will know when you do because his basically he'll try to engage with you for a little while, and then he just starts repeating himself. Um, almost like a machine, which is why people, uh, I don't even generally ban trolls because I kind of monitor what it is they're doing because trolls want attention. They have a tendency to do stupid things like, you know, post everywhere what it is they're getting ready to do. So um, as a reason, go ahead. That's a people with a very short loop, huh? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and uh, so in any case, um, uh, you know, I, but I ended up banning this guy just because – or blocking this guy from my Facebook because you just get tired of it. It, it. He literally is like a spam bot. You get to a point where you're talking to him and he repeats himself so much, things that you've already been over like 12 times. It, it literally is like you could just cut and paste your past six or seven posts and then you'd still be answering everything you said. <laughs> all over again and again and again and again and again in the internet filibuster. So um, in any case, uh, I just want to make people aware of the fact that that was going on. Um, uh, You will see that uh, posts there are on approval only because Mr. Ross is also familiar with trolls because ironically cults that don't like him have gone there and tried to harass people. So anyway, that little piece of dumbness out of the way um from every- from the troll fans <laughs> yeah, no from kidding. the hardcore troll fans i'm gonna ask uh um what are you guys all doing for z-day i'll start with you al well um i'm gonna be working at the office so i i just hope to be uh sending mails uh more mails even more than than what I often do to my buddies and friends and colleagues and and family and and pretty much everyone, I keep sending new stuff, sending new videos I find from side guys from the Venus Project from from everything. I mean, not 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 only from the Venus Project, from but from every documentary available that that shows the the dark side of the uh, of the spectrum, right? Yep. Um, what about you, Aaron? Um, we're doing an event, uh, with a bunch of different videos and speakers. We got a good summary video just to intro the Venus project at the beginning. Then we have a grad student from the university of Alberta who works on, uh, biology actually. And he's going to do a talk on behavioral biology, which is really awesome. And then, uh, we're going to play common objections, uh, that Ben McLeish lecture, and I think capitalism epic fail, and then we have two more talks, one about, I think, fear and another on sustainability, and then we'll have a Q&A period and a uh, band after that. All right. What about you, Chibi? Are you doing anything, or is it more typical Internet activism? Yeah, basically. Uh, here in Missouri, I'm not saying there isn't any event I haven't heard of one, but there may be a small event somewhere, but I, I haven't, I, I don't plan on attending any, I guess. All right. Well, um, that being all said, I was just wanting to go over that a little bit. My own thing is unfortunate, but I have prior obligations that are going to keep me away from the Michigan Z-Day this time. But 
Um, it, it's actually, I've found to be one of the benefits of being a member of the Michigan Zeitgeist chapter is that Sean is a really, really cool guy and is extremely good at what he does. Very solid. Very. You know, it's great to be part of the Michigan chapter because of that, actually. Um, and I'm sure that that event will go over without a hitch. Um, so I guess that all being said, today we're going to be reviewing. Um, I went ahead and posted it on my blog, but I guess you said that you've added some things to it since then, Al, but at least the, the listeners will have a basic idea of what it is you're coming from. But there were some things that have been bothering you that you wanted to bring up on B Radio, so that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Um, and then we'll just kind of go to open discussion. I'll open the phone lines if we have time. And um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to V Radio. Please visit my website, vradio.org. That's V hyphen or V minus radio.org. Uh, there you can see archives of other shows like this one, including my past show with Al, which I actually thought was extremely educational. I learned a lot about the history of Mexico um, in that show. It was a great show. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there's my must-see TV list, which is a list of free documentaries you can watch on the Internet, absolutely free. Um, and I recommend all of them, and I find them actually to be pretty much, that's why I said must-see TV, they're critical I'll be adding another one to that list. Recently, actually, somebody just gave me a link to a, a little film called Blind Spot, and um, I'll definitely be going into that later, but it was a very compelling film that had a lot of uh, professors and scientists coming forward to talk about the peak oil problem. Uh, to those of you who have issues with the global warming thing, I would remind everybody to make sure that, you know, when they watch films that mention global warming, that they're, you know, they're polarizing. It's a polarizing issue, and it really shouldn't be. Even if you don't believe in global warming, we know for sure that releasing the kind of toxins that we have then causes acid rain, which is horrible for the environment, and that the majority of the other environmental practices that are brought up in the film are still just as bad, if not worse, you know, as far as the full damaging potential so keep that in mind, guys. Just because there's an argument about global warming does not the, – the reason that it bothers me is that I've seen people you know, who go, oh, well, they mentioned global warming, so then they just throw their hands up in the air, and then they don't listen to anything else the person says. And I think that's nonsense. That's really stupid. Like um, Because of the fact that uh, Annie Leonard from The Story of Stuff did something about global warming, then all of a sudden no one wants to listen to Annie Leonard, as if everything else she said was not relevant. Um, and that, that's why I say, guys, you know, just, just keep it in mind that, you know, you're going to run into these films sometimes that talk about global warming, but that doesn't mean that it should discredit the entire film because there's a lot of other very valid concerns that have nothing to do with global warming. The burning of fossil fuels is a bad idea. Whether it's warming the earth or not is irrelevant. So, you know, Neil. Go ahead, Al. Uh, I, I think I remember a documentary that was talking about why this, this, uh, why this is so polarized, why this team is so polarized. And they, they were talking about that people, for example, in Africa, they were they were making them use uh, really low-tech uh, gear to, uh, to, 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 uh, to maintain their facilities in order to, 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 in order to avoid pollution. And, and, and they were making laws to, to, to make sure that everyone was participating in, in, in helping with not contaminating as much. But they were so upset that, that in, the, in the richest countries, they don't, they don't really give a damn about the, the pollution. They keep, they keep building these huge... Uh, these huge factories with, that that uh, create uh, hundreds of tons of of 
black smoke per day and 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 they and they are the ones that are preaching that we should be using our cars less and and you know that they were preaching what what, what they never do and and they push the third world to actually care about it and that's actually what they what pissed them that that you know that's right. that's the, that was the the whole point of of this argument yep that's very true now Without wanting to uh, derail anyway, obviously, the topic anymore, Al, are you ready to read your presentation? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Go ahead. Well, to, um, I, I would like to start a bit uh, to talk about with uh, about the transition, you know, the so-called transition that everyone is so concerned and, and, and worried about in, in some respect or another. And it makes me kind of angry when I hear many people asking about the transition. How is that going to be? What what is the transition? When will the transition begin? Who is going to lead the transition? Uh, the transition. What should we do to accelerate the transition? People often get caught in the confusion of perhaps uh, something will happen, right? I mean, somebody needs to do something. Maybe something big is about to happen. Maybe someone stronger than us will come to the rescue. Let's keep waiting. Let's keep praying. Let's keep on having faith. Let's keep on pretending and looking the other way Well, until suddenly, uh, out of the blue, uh, things get better. People is, uh, uh, you know, thanks to the monetary system we've been using for centuries, we have come to the conclusion that we are powerless, defenseless, voiceless, mindless, to a very profound level, like, like Peter says. You know, uh, my, my, uh, a cousin of mine once asked me, well, uh, when are when these uh, people from the Venus Project and the Psygas movement are, are going to start doing uh, what they're what they're saying? When are they gonna? Well, so basically, he was asking me, when are these people going to get us out of this mess? When are they when are they gonna do something? They they must have a a, a wide uh, a whole bunch of people already there. So when are they gonna start? And I and I just and I just started to you know like. Like like shaking in 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 uh, you know like uh, uh, about to laugh or, or or angry at the same time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I said, "What what do you mean when when are they when they are going to start to do something? Is this is not about them? I mean, these few people is not going to get us all out of this mess. This is this is about you. This is about me. They, they are only giving us the ideas." And the concepts and 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 the tools per se, but we are the ones who have to get ourselves out of this mess, right? We tend to forget that every change, every transition, every revolution, every new invention starts with only one person, and that person is you. You are the transition. So if you want to accelerate the transition, break those credit cards, cut them in, in cut them. In a hundred pieces, like I did a few years ago, I grabbed the scissors and practically shred them to ashes. I finally learned to be in control of my life, and it felt so good to get rid of, of the banking chains that enslaved me for over 10 years. I mean, really. And of course, we could talk about many other actions that would harm and weaken the system, such as making our own clothing and manufacturing our own home products and foods, we could go really far as to how much we can do to get off the grid. But we don't need to scare away many people that are still extremely attached 
to the goods that they think they need in order to be happy. So going back to the credit cards and loans, we can actually get rid of them today. We can do so much damage to the current system because they depend on credits and loans in order to justify the phantom value they have invented. We don't even need to force it. It's already happening around the world. More and more people find themselves unable to pay the interests from their loans. Therefore, they are constantly educating their kids about the dangers of getting in debt. Therefore, we can actually accelerate the transition by just that single concept of getting off the credit mechanisms. Because the entire system relies and depends absolutely on having us as monetary slaves. Without debt, like Peter says, governments can't control you. God, without debt, nations can't bring other nations to their knees. Without debt, this whole aberrant system will collapse sooner than we think. This is true. Without the need of an old-fashioned armed revolution and without having to spit out a single bullet. You could keep on buying stuff, I mean, from whatever you want. You can keep on pretending and dreaming that things will somehow get better with hope. You can also live upset and depressed about everything, spending 90% of your time working as someone else's slave and spending only 10% of your, for yourself and your family. But if you keep your credit cards in your pockets, you'll remain miserable. You'll keep your family in a constant uncertainty and fear, deprived of all the things you could have and all the places you could go if you finally learn to have absolute control of your finances. We cannot be redundant on this enough. Money is debt. Money depends on debt to exist because, because money is a phantom value system of exchange that relies on our ignorance in order to keep the system from falling apart. So, so what, do you, what do you guys think about this? Uh, it, it, wouldn't that be just... I mean, just that, just breaking, uh, breaking your, your credit cards and, and getting rid of debt, that, just that thing would harm the system to a, just to a <laughs> incredible level, wouldn't it? Well, I, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, but it's, it depends on the, you know, what people are – That's the thing that's messed up about it is that the whole credit system in of itself was created as an additional patch to the failings of the monetary system. You know, because we didn't have enough purchasing power, they offer us credit so that they can keep the system functioning and moving. And so right. you know, people need to learn how to reprioritize what it is that they're doing. I mean, so many of my friends are so lost in consumerism that they just, you know, they have credit cards that are they're always using. Not all of them are in crazy amounts of debt, but the but, idea but, of encouraging people to spend more money than they have is, is definitely happening. Go ahead. But I mean, I mean... All the people I know that has credit cards or, or that have actually the, uh, the ability to, to ask for a loan at some bank, I mean, not everybody has access to that. People from, 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 uh, from mid-class and upper are only the ones that, have, that can access these services. So we are not talking about extremely poor people having access to credit cards and loans. They have to deal with themselves and, and you know. So the point is, uh, people who have people who who have cars, credit cards the most are the ones primarily that want to buy things and pay them later, even knowing that they can actually pay them if they they learn to save their money for a, for a few weeks or a few months. 
But they even uh, even so, if they have the credit cards, they will use them. So that's my point. Is we are not talking about desperate people here or or extremely poor people, right? Let's. Oh no, absolutely. Now let me go ahead and um, give Aaron an opportunity to add, and then Chibi. So go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, I was just gonna say that I've actually I used to do the exact same thing that you're saying put something big on my credit card and then pay it off over the next few months. And I've in the last couple months, actually, I think my net worth is finally at zero dollars again, which is awesome. And from there I can actually maybe save some money. But, um, yeah, getting rid of my credit cards. I don't know. I might keep one just cause you almost need one nowadays to do certain things, but I wouldn't use it unless I absolutely needed to. And it doesn't have any fees. Uh, so yeah. Exactly, emergencies, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a great idea, like, getting anyone who it's possible for to get out of debt and stop supporting the banking system in that way is an awesome way to contribute to this. Exactly. I used to live in so much debt uh, uh, with my credit cards that I was only able to pay at, uh, I don't know what, how, how much, I, I guess it was a 10% of my entire debt every month. So I never had money for for to 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 take my family out to, to the park or to the movies or to do anything because I was always paying money to the bank always all the time. Yeah, I mean, all your extra income goes straight Ex to interest payments to exactly. the bank. Yeah. yeah. It was easy for my wife to pay the uh, my 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 little kids uh a school uh, bill with 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 her credit card. It was easy for me to pay the gasoline with the credit card. It was easy to pay the uh, the Walmart items with the credit card. I mean, you could use it for everything. And and when we realized how how much money we we practically trashed, it 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 was awesome. I mean, we I I think I had about. Uh, eight from eighty to nine thousand dollars in debt. So so when I think I I paid them all three times, and whenever we started to to use them again, it it wouldn't take that long to get the full, to to get to to get them to its fullest, you know, it yeah. was very very easy to 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 uh to pay to to owe them to the to the level, you know, it, it was amazing how fast. The debt grows in the credit. Eighty thousand. That that's crazy. I I never got above four four thousand, no. and I was just freaking out. Eight eight thousand dollars. Oh, eight thousand. Oh, okay. 8, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, eighty thousand. I was. <laughs> I was, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> no, eight thousand. Yeah. But still, it was it was so hard for me to 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 pay even a ten percent from from them. I I had four credit cards. I had American Express, I had uh, one from HSBC, and I had two other cards. To uh, and I and I practically, like I said, I grabbed the scissors and I got them to 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 ashes practically because <laughs> I I hated them so much that that I got uh, in so much debt for over ten years that that it made me so. I mean, I I was like a reborn man. I swear to you, I. We started saving money, and it and it amazed us. And it amazed us, me and my wife, how much money we could we we had in just a few months of of just getting everything we need, like food, like like paying the school, like like you know our our basic uh, our basic needs. 
it was yeah. amazing how much money we kept in in my in my in my in my uh in my account you know it was amazing all the money i was giving away for free because it was practically that you know? Now go ahead. Let's uh, actually go ahead and move on to Chibi. Then, um, do you have any comments about this discussion about personal credit? Um, well, I, I certainly don't recommend it. I, I don't have a credit card, but I will say, I mean, it's a steep request to make on everyone that they that they drop all their credit cards. For example, I mean, if, if I have to buy something online, or I should say, if I choose to, I have to you go can, through somebody else. But you can um, use the debit cards, don't you? No, I don't I even have a bank account. I, I don't. Oh. I don't have a bank account. I don't have a debit card. I don't have any of that. But it's not out of some moral concern. I mean, I I've never had one, so that's just how I've always lived. But um, I I do see a lot of people around me that that use their credit cards uh, frivolously and it and end up having to go bankrupt or or losing everything or whatever. Um, I think. There's a certain degree to which you can use them responsibly and just use them to build credit. Like I've known people who will get a credit card and only spend what they actually have the cash to pay for and just pay it when it comes in so they don't get the, um, what's that called? The, interest fees. Yeah, when they don't get compound interest building up on them and yet they can still build their credit slowly that way. So, But as far as taking loans in general i mean if you want a house uh or property or even a car you know good luck doing that without credit really that that's that's a very difficult request to make of people um and at the same time the catch 22 of that all is if you don't build your credit then it's going to be very difficult to get a loan and, and so the system really kind of traps people into it i mean if you already have a house uh, um and you want to stop using that now is one thing, but if you're coming out of college, for example, you're already in debt, it's very difficult for for someone to, to step away from that whole system. Yeah, but but I mean, if you want to buy a house, you can, you can ask for the minimum uh, that you would be required to pay the down payment for a, for a car or for a house or something. I mean, um, everyone has to deal with their own you know, with their own problems, and they will use right. it to a to a degree or another. But the whole idea is to, uh, based on your possibilities, to to gradually lose this this uh, enslavement chains. You know, that's that's the idea. I know it's impossible to for every to, for to ask everyone to just drop them down today, but it, but gradually, when they understand how fast the interests grow. And how how much they can they can just change the interest rate whenever they please, they 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 they. I mean, we don't even know it. Sometimes you get the your credit card bills and and there's a like a million numbers uh, from from fees that they charge, and you don't even know what they are charging. So it's amazing how how fast the interest and and all the fees that they can charge you, and you cannot say a word. I mean, what are you going to say? What? How are you going to protest to that? You can't. You just have to pay it, right? Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, were you? Was that the entirety of the blog? Were you finished no. already? Okay. No. I was just we making cannot... sure. <laughs> no matter what, we could. I mean, we're all good talkers. I'm sure the show wouldn't just suddenly end. I was just curious if you wanted to go ahead and read more. If it were, did anybody have any further comments? <clears throat> all right, go ahead and read. 
Okay. Um, uh, you know, we leave uh, stock and deeply attached down to the few to the few to the few possessions we own because we feel that we need to protect them from others like Peter has said so many times we deprive ourselves from having healthy meals because all we can afford is fast high cholesterol cheap foods to keep us going like like also you have said many times we haven't yet realized how deep in the mud we are at this point in time because of our absolute dependency on money People kidnapping and killing other people for money. People selling drugs and sickening others for money. Doctors prescribing deadly medicines for money. Corporate leaders throwing thousands of tons of toxic waste in the rivers and oceans to save money. Fishermen using mile-long fishnets, destroying coral reefs and hundreds of thousands of whales, dolphins, turtles, seals, exotic fish, sharks, and everything in their way for money. Companies getting punished or kicked out if they try to create products that can last twice as long as their counterparts in the competition for money. The list goes on and on, and money keeps on destroying humans, animals, and the very soil we step upon. To most people, all these problems seem kind of impersonal. All those things are happening, are happening to someone else, to something else. As long as a soldier doesn't break in our house, we can keep our mouth shut and keep watching the football game and then the soap opera. People have become so lazy-minded that they will protest and stand up only if the bullet hits them directly. Perhaps until they see their own teenager daughter getting sexually abused on the Internet because the poor girl couldn't find a decent-paying job to fill her economic needs, Sick and tired of getting scraps, she decided to try her luck in the pornographic industry, filled with female, teenager, and child degradation, physical and verbal abuse, drug addictions, and finally, depression or suicide. Or perhaps that isn't hard enough to wake people up to realize the sickness of our current society worldwide. Maybe until one of their kids gets kidnapped to be used in the child pornography industry, which also exists in the richest countries and which generates billions of dollars every year. Or maybe when their soldier's son comes back from overseas inside of a coffin and then realize that he lost his life to maintain the privileges of those in power. Or maybe when they realize that their kids weren't allowed to move on to college because their grades are so mediocre for having lazy, mediocre teachers that can't be fired from schools for having the protections from the, teacher, from the teacher's union. Or better yet, your kids were given a full month vacation again because there was another, another local school shooting where many students died. And then another church priest and another Wall Street broker runs away with the lifetime savings of hundreds of naive retirees and entire families. And then another teenager girl dies trying to look as slim as those starving drug-addicted models on the magazine cover. And then another unemployed alcoholic man beats the hell out of his son again, turning him into a future criminal. And then another truck, drive, truck driver crashes and kills a bunch because he didn't sleep in two days, feeling the pressure of getting the shipment on time. Thousands of sea animals die every year, unable to digest the huge amounts of plastics in their bodies because throwing trash in the ocean it's a lot cheaper for the corporations than giving waste proper handling. 
hundreds of thousands of tons of computer waste and cell phone trash are shipped to the beaches of Africa every week. Thousands of people were killed and many others injured and intoxicated for life in Iraq and Afghanistan because the invaders are using depleted uranium in their missiles and artillery. Because this highly effective explosive is able to cut through steel and solid rock like butter, regardless of the toxicity of this atomic material, which is able to remain active in the ground for several decades. And yet, free market economists say, <laughs> it's impossible to live without money. It's impossible to calculate the cost of new infrastructure projects. <laughs> it's impossible to allocate resources without the use of money. It's impossible for the world to get rid of money. <laughs> That's Marxism. That's uh, communism. Hey, shit. That shit ain't never going to be allowed in this country. I can tell you that right now, sister. <laughs> well, if you are a free market economist and, or a capitalist advocate, let's see how you include all this misery in your equations. Stop calculating Hold on, hold on. I have to ask you, did I just listen to a Mexican man do an impression of are you, a what are southern you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Very well done. I'm sorry. I, I just, I couldn't, I, for a minute there, I double-taked. I was like, did somebody else on the call say that? I, I'm sorry. Please please get back to what you were saying. It, it was very I'm important. I'm sorry. My, my, my brother was right, right behind me. My uh, father died that. in the gulag. <laughs> For ideas like this, yeah, I mean, people get so so uh Jesus Christ, so so uh excited about their own ideas that that they have for their entire life, so they 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 are very strong about defending them to the to the bone right i mean it's it's amazing that not many people get learns to be open minded learns to be uh you know more versatile for once, God damn it. They keep, I mean, these free market economists, as I was saying, they keep calculating money only when it comes to money and profits, and and never, and uh, you know, it's it's all about profit, stocks, and speculation. Why don't why can't they just for once get out of, of their bubble and take a long stare at the world around, and then only they will agree that it's falling apart. The signs of it are everywhere. Do we really? I mean, I mean, I mean, am I am I am I the only one who's, who's crazy around here? Do we really need a third world war to finally start allocating resources and work for each other for free? Do we really need to go that far to realize that we can calculate human cost instead of economic value and money? Why should I? keep spending 80% of my time working for a single guy when I could use 20% of my talent to share it with everybody and use the rest to keep learning new ways for helping the world. For how long we'll be able to hold on to this broken ship that keeps on sinking when everyone keeps drilling new holes to it every day? Isn't, I mean, am, am I just... I mean, does this sound really like I'm crazy or... Or, or illogical? Neil? Anyone? Hello? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it, it all sounds very logical. You're, you're basically preaching to the choir, I'm sure, on this call. But I'm, and a lot of people who are commenting on it say that it's, they, they like your accent and that it's, it's interesting to hear a calm, intelligent voice say very strong words. Um, so right. 
what, yeah. what do you guys what do you guys think of the of the pornographic industry? I mean, I I, I just wanted to take a little a, a little uh, step back to that because it, it seems as though it has come so natural for many people to know and to understand that there's a huge industry in the in, on the internet on the internet. Many mothers say. Oh, but we can just put some some locks in the computer so the kids won't won't have access to it. I mean, as if these kids are not gonna grow and 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 see the whole thing anyway, or or they can watch it at school or with their friends. Or, I mean, I'm not just talking about the uh, the uh, the sexual issue here. I'm I'm talking about the inhumanization of women, the uh, the the uh, the sexual. Uh, Am I? Am I? Am I? Did you guys hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine. Um, I was waiting. I thought you were. I didn't know if you were finished talking yet. I was. Yeah, I'm, I'm finished talking. I want to. Basically, I the issue your... about that is that um, it is an example of you know scarcity and such. It's an example, you know, just right along with prostitution. And I mean, there is a civil rights issue with it, and that if you know, if I feel as if somebody wants to engage in that within reason, obviously we shouldn't really be getting in their way. But at the same token. I look forward to a world where uh, <clears throat> a woman's body could never be a commodity, right. you know. And that's and I look forward to a world where um, the you know it's it, it's a tough question because like you know libertarians for example have taken a very depending on libertarian mind you it's different for each one but you know like uh, there have been some very controversial stances among certain libertarians. Um, about that topic, about you know, even about child pornography, because they they are concerned that the uh, the act of making it. Um, by the way, I do not agree with this at all. But um, even when I was a libertarian, I didn't agree with this. But uh, the idea of acting, making it illegal, makes it therefore have more of a demand, and therefore you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not going to listen to a, a an argument for decriminalization of of exploiting children. Um, <clears throat> but it's you know, the funny thing is though is that. You know, for it is one thing that has seemed to be too, they, they do seem to do right. Uh, child pornography is uh, it, it's serious business. You get in a lot of trouble, and um, they manage to track people down on it. It is one thing that I, I don't, I do not deviate from. Uh, the rights of children who cannot protect themselves, you know, must be protected by the people who are responsible enough to handle it. Um, but I look forward to a world <laughs> where people's sexuality is not developed in an unhealthy fashion in the first place. Yeah, but my biggest point about this issue is the degradation, the physical and verbal abuse that is growing and growing in in this in this sector. I'm not saying that I'm a saint and and, and I have never seen a, a pornographic movie or anything like it. I'm just saying that uh, throughout the years, the the uh, the the physical degradation of women, especially, keeps it seems that keeps getting tougher and tougher. I don't know if you guys noticed, but it, Jesus Christ, it it seems uh, it seems amazing how much this degradation has grown throughout the years. Right. No, and I and I understand, and it's mostly because it's becoming <clears throat> easier to spread it around. I would say, but um, let's bring Chibi into this conversation. Um, Chibi, do you have any comments about the pornography industry? Oh, that is that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I, uh, I have no problem with the promiscuality. Uh, like, well, I, I guess I would agree with everything you guys have said so far. Uh, it's it's 
even uh, the civil rights issue of it that you say, you know, somebody wants to do porn and they really enjoy doing that. And even the, the brutality kind of stuff that you're talking about, women getting spit and slapped and all that stuff, which is very disgusting. Now, there are some women who might be into that because they were abused and then they learned uh, that, that, no, but that certain... Can I, well, let, can him, I let start, him finish real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Well, uh, I mean, but I'm I'm going to agree that yeah, most in most cases you find uh people from a very poor and and often uh a drug littered background who go into these kind of uh low rate um you know, it, it's like a garage porn almost. I mean, not literally. They might have a studio, but where they 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 go in, they're paid very little and disrespected and treated like a dog and uh, because it, it's the easy out for them just to to get a buck, and and that is sickening. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a whole spectrum in the industry. I mean, there are uh, cases you could point to where it's not so bad, and there are cases where where it's as bad as it could be, almost. So, um, but overall, I think I think we agree on the issue there. Yeah. I, I, my 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 biggest concern about this issue is not uh, from the adult point of view. I mean, this this female degradation and this child molestation and this brutality and this spitting, this slapping, this this. I mean, the whole thing. When what what happens when a five when a five through a ten year old sees this? I mean, what happens when a when a little girl sees this as as a really young person? I mean. She's gonna start thinking that that's normal. That's how I should uh, let uh, my partner treat me, or, or uh, I don't know. I mean, am, am I getting the point here? I mean, what how, for us, for all, for us as adults, we understand that sometimes these girls uh, agree to this treatment, and they probably get more money if they let themselves be treated like trash and scum and, and pieces of meat. But we understand that, and they probably do it willingly. But what about the kids? What are are we to expect that they are never going to see all this misery on the on the screen? I mean, is are 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 we going to allow them to think that this is a normal behavior, that this is a normal brutality per se? I mean, yeah, that's, that's that's my biggest concern. Not 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 from the adult uh, point of view. No, and that's no, and I, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, just even in regards to the issue of environment, like you brought up, uh, there was another really powerful point. You brought up about how girls are killing themselves to keep themselves thin. Um, exactly. You know, it, it goes beyond just the issue of the actual sex act itself. It goes into the uh, the issue of um, just like how sexuality is formed, and you know, it's it's interesting because you have this generic idea put out by the Cosmopolitan magazine and elements of the West that this is what an attractive female looks like, and then it finds its way into things like the Miss Universe contest, despite the fact that if you were to ask an African Bushman what he thought of one of those women, the first thing that would come out of his mouth is, well, she'd be dead in two days in my environment. You know, um, they're attracted to, uh, like, large buttocks for whatever reason, and that's their thing. Um, I know my own personal um, uh, personality thing. I've, I've always, for example felt that breasts were highly overrated they don't do anything for me but other guys man i've seen them like give up their soul for a pair of you know large breasts you know it's it's very nebulous i mean mind you on the same token you know i find myself interested in legs i you know i don't i don't get it but um 
that the, the but it proves though, and to back to the relevant point is that your environment has some kind of impact on these things, on what you find attractive and why you find it attractive, and the media um, creating this extremely rare persona that is the supermodel. Because and that's the other thing is once you study modeling and bodybuilding, you find out that these people, when they're competing, are in a state of starvation and um, high levels of uh, dehydration for the photo shoots. As in, they are in an unhealthy state that is not even maintainable. So it gives an image of this is what beauty is to the rest of the world that is not in any fashion natural and is not in any fashion healthy. And it makes an unrealistic goal for our teenage girls to think that they have to achieve you know, and it's not just, you know, it's usually for women, but it's not to say that there isn't also issues with men. The difference with the thing with men, though, is is that there's less, uh, I would say there's less emphasis on one traditional role for what women would find attractive about men. Uh, I've never had any problem having a um, very active social life with what would be considered to be very well accepted, you know, beautiful girls. Um, but it's because of the fact that girls are all different, at least, I mean, especially here in the United States. You know, I've had girls, you know, like I just had a beautiful young girl in my house not that long ago who was really into me, and I'm not thin. You know, I'm not rippling with muscles. You know, I'm not, you know, <clears throat> but it was my personality, you know. And it makes me wonder, is, is that the natural state of things? Is it because we spend less time sending messages to to women that there's a specific kind of guy that they need is that what it should be in that our values could be the determining factor on what it is that we find attractive and you know even for myself a girl can be physically attractive but if she doesn't engage me on an intellectual level i've got no patience for her and because of who my mother was my mother was a very strong personality um i found myself attracted to very strong women like you know i usually use the example of like linda hamilton's character in terminator 2 or sigourney weaver's character in aliens you know my idea of a woman is is different than the average and that then this all kind of proves to me that you know it really is cultural and when you add money to anything like that they want a profitable situation and therefore they have to create a scarcity well how do they create a scarcity when it came to sexuality well they made an impossible goal for women this is what you have to be. And if you happen to be one of these women, well, then you're a commodity to be used to make money. This is how, you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world become, you know, million-dollar making commodities. Is based on the idea that we're, we're only going to endorse that there's this woman here is the one that's sexually attractive. And there's not very many women who look like this. It's it's a total exploitation of the of the of the money system based in sexuality and I think that you know it's funny is that a lot of this is just kind of realizations I'm coming to as we're having this conversation which is why it's good to have these blog conversations but um you know I'm going to make one more point about this then I'm going to pass the mic over obviously but um was that if you look in history uh the art of the hist- of history particularly during the renaissance what was determined to be somebody of supermodel quality was a girl who was considerably more full-figured than they are now. You look at right. the old statues of Venus. Venus wasn't 110 pounds. You know, she was. You know, Jump. she had a large hips, like bigger legs. You know, even a bit of a belly. That was the the sexually attractive woman. 
Um, and in, within the black culture, for example, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, they find themselves attracted to heavier women. And, you know, th within that culture, that's very common. You know, and that's one of the reasons why it's so clear that there are definitely environmental factors because it is different everywhere you go. I know men, for example, who can't stand thin women at all. C cannot, will not date one. So, I mean, that's just some food for thought there to add to the table of that essentially – our fashion system has set up so that only a certain scarce group of people are the ones that are accepted to be beautiful, and that allows, through that scarcity, for sexuality itself to become a product um, that is a scarce commodity. Because you have Kim Kardashian, you have immense amounts of attention. If you don't have Kim Kardashian, you just have some other average-looking girl, well, you're not going to get as much money out of that. They've created that circumstance. It's just another situation for us to have to whore ourselves. They do the same thing to our music. They do the same thing to our films and our stories. You know, it, they find ways of making you know certain rare commodities you know into the mainstream. And if you don't have it, well, then you don't have anything. Right. We have so little uh, expectations from life and and actual fulfilling dreams that we have to exploit other, you know. Uh, dark needs or whatever you can imagine it, right? It's 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 uh, uh, I mean, it's it's just uh, very mind-boggling to. I mean, how how do you explain to a kid what what he just saw on the television when when a guy enters a, a room and kills seven guys and then rapes a woman and then beats and then destroys the head of a of a man with a with some uh, fire extinguisher. I remember that scene from the uh, movie Irreversible. I don't know if you guys can remember it, but it, it was, Jesus Christ was violent to the bone. I mean, and it, and, it, and it shocked me, the level of violence that we are getting so used to watch on, on movies and media in general. But, but we are adults. As, again, we are adults. How do you explain a kid that that's not normal? That's not the way it should be. That's not how we deal with each other. Uh, we, you don't have to kill your enemy in order to, to try and end up uh, a conflict. You, you, must, you must see the face of your enemy tomorrow in order to, to begin this, this transition again with him, in order to keep the, the, uh, the competition going, per se. I mean, am I getting the... Uh, you guys understand the point? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean Jesus Christ, time is running out rapidly. And, and I mean, moving on, resources are being wasted by corporate overproduction. And at the same time, the world's population will double in the next decades. Let's see how many prayers will be enough to finally wake up those gods living in the paradise of our insecure minds. Let's see how many more war-glorifying video games are enough to teach our kids a thousand ways to kill somebody and never how to help someone in desperate need. The Empire, the Pentagon, Haley Burton, General Electric, Lockheed Martin, the ATF, they have a huge influence in the video game industry. Hundreds of war-glorifying video games have flooded the stands of video game stores around the world ever since the very first console, consoles appeared. Bored teenagers who have spent half their lives in front of the TV and a, and a game controller in, in their hands 
begin to believe that killing another human being is easy and actually entertaining, unaccounted for, and actually they will end up as heroes that the whole world loves. And then they join the real army, full of empathy, patriotism, or just the need for the money, just to come back later with an amputated extremity, severely traumatized, drug-addicted, ending up a few years later totally forgotten and unknown, begging for coins, sitting on a wheelchair on the streets with a big Budweiser in a paper bag. But hey, those are the real heroes war creates, like Peter said once. So let's see how much, for how much longer we want to live in constant fear and distrust with each other. Whether we are rich or poor, it's the same. The rich ones live in a constant permanent, live in a permanent state of competitive neurosis, trying to raise their profits every year. They live afraid and insecure from their associates, their partners, their employees. So they feel they need to be always watching their backs. They spend fortunes in security personnel, bodyguards, anti-assault vehicles, expensive surveillance equipment. They buy several homes and real estate around the world to make sure they will always have some backup value in case something goes wrong, in case they need to escape from a fraud or from a legal problem. The poor ones, on the other hand, live in a constant struggle in order to provide the basic needs for their families, in a constant neurosis to gather the money for the rent, the electric power, water, and energy bills, taxes, clothing, food, school items, etc. And the vast majority, the ones at the very bottom, digging in the trash, stealing scraps, selling stuff on the streets, begging for a few coins, stealing cars, cell phones, wallets, but the most terrifying of all, stealing people for money. Selling people for money, buying people for money, killing people for money. If all this misery is still not enough to make you rethink your life and our society and start living without monetary debt, and whether you support the Venus Project or not, then keep waiting. There are a lot more reasons to make us change, waiting to be added in the long list of human failures. You know, sometimes I think that humans are a mistake from nature. Since we are the only species destroying ourselves and our home itself because of an ancient and outdated way of exchange. We are so fortunate to be living in the most beautiful planet that the Hubble telescope has ever seen. We are as far away as our wildest imagination from the nearest galaxy, let alone finding a lonely planet that miraculously has the same the conditions we need to survive. That would be like finding the only blue grain of sand in the biggest desert. So we only have one home, and if we keep on trashing it and keep on thinking that only the richest will have the right to survive, then we'll get rid of the poor, but also we'll flush away new possible Einsteins, Da Vinci's, Tesla's, Mozart's, Sagan's, Fresco's. So after the Third World War, Humanity will be unable to take the next step in our evolution of technology. So whoever survives will just have to swallow the dusty leftovers. What do you guys think? I think that was great. Actually, a lot of people are complimenting you in the chat room, man. So um, I'm going to go ahead and open up the mic to Chibi first. Um, 
Yeah, that's some. You're a passionate speaker. It's interesting to listen to. Um, the only, I mean, I, I guess the only thing I'd comment on there is uh, we're not. I, I don't agree that we're the only species uh, destroying ourselves. I mean, maybe in the way that you meant it, um, but the way I see nature is actually very different. No. That that all species are actually um, pretty destructive. Um, it's just that the process uh, limits the amount of destruction they can go into but because of our technology and everything we we've gone far beyond what a normal mammal or insect or anything else could do as far as their destructive capabilities right exactly. things are that's... held in balance we don't have any other species developing tactical nuclear weapons though exactly that, that's right mm-hmm. animals kill each other because they need to because they right. have to eat we kill each other just for the for the profit of it or for the for the finances of it. I mean, it's just totally different. We kill in massive proportions. We hurt ourselves and we damage ourselves because we have to be in constant uh, stepping on each other's heads all the time. And animals don't do that. They just kill uh, They just kill what they need. Well, some the do, actually, especially yeah, they, in chimpanzees. And there's plenty of examples where they, they do actually kill for other reasons than just food or whatever but i mean it's it's definitely rare in nature i'm just saying it's yeah uh, we're not the only species that does that just uh, watching yeah. a single documentary about nuclear weapons that's why i brought that up was enough to make me utterly mortified of the idea that you know and in, in comparison to what we see in nature so i get al's point and i get your point too chibi um we we are supposed to be the smart ones here i mean we are supposed to be the civilized ones i mean I mean, animals do it because it's their nature. They, they they do it when they need it, at the time they need it, and they only kill one that they will eat at the at the time. But we kill, as as I said, massively. We hurt massively. We destroy ourselves ourselves massively. That's the whole difference. You know, that's that's the whole point. It's it's it, many people say, oh, it's it's a nature thing. We the 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 fittest will survive. The 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 only the strongest will survive. But we are supposed to be smart. I mean. Aren't we? We are supposed to be creating technology. We are expecting ourselves to 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 go to another planet. How the hell are we going to do that if we if we keep on killing if we keep on killing our 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 bright minds, our geniuses, right? You know, That's it's the whole actually point. you know an interesting profound point that came to mind, and then I'm going to ask Aaron for his comments. Was that um, you know the biggest reason why it's worse? when we do it beyond even just the issue of the technology we use is we're aware of it. We're aware of the damage that it does. We have exactly. brains that are capable of understanding it. We have no excuse. Exactly. We could choose not to. And well, we- the way I kind of look at it is, is more like we have to overcome all these relics of our nature in a way or, or of nature. I mean, exactly. even in all the examples, it, there are examples in nature of, of, of tactical, mass murder of of uh, not just for food for territorial dominance i mean you have practically like a military patrol going on in some chimpanzee tribes where they will you know uh brutally murder other troops and whatnot and and there's all kinds of abuse similar to what goes on in humans in in baboon tribes and so on it's not unheard of in nature but uh i i mean i i 
do agree that we need to <laughs> get rid of that in humans. But uh, well, even remember that video that Sapolsky put out that Peter used at the last Z Day, or maybe it was the Z Day before last, that um, about that one baboon troop that changed their attitude about things because of the you know like the basically their social environment changed because all of their uh, aggressive jerks in the group died off from tuberculosis. And it left a, a troop that had you know, only passive males and passive females. And when other groups would show, like when other male, you know, chimps would show up to try to interact with that group, they'd be ostracized for their aggressive behavior. So that's another reason we don't have any excuse. If animals can overcome their social failures, there's absolutely no reason why, you know, we should not be able to handle this. So let me go ahead and drag Aaron into the conversation. Um, I think you guys covered a lot of it. I just want to say I agree with Chibi definitely that I think these things that we're doing are an outgrowth of um, things we've inherited from our uh, evolutionary past. And But Al's right in saying that we do have intelligence and we can overcome these things. But it's it's like Jock says when you talk about being civilized, it's a process. It's not that we're going to become civilized. It's something that's continually happening. And even us talking about it is us realizing and spreading this idea that we can overcome it. It's, um, uh, yeah, I kind of ran out of steam there. You guys covered pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, we, we, the, 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 the difference here is that we don't need to eat each other, do we? <laughs> we yeah, don't need but to like kill each other. To- Sometimes they animals do kill each other. They don't have to eat them. They do it for other reasons. Yeah, the, for defense mechanisms and all that. But as I said, I mean, we are supposed to be. Uh, we are at the peak of of technological advancement in in this galaxy, as far as we know. So we are not going to succeed in in in. Uh, getting to fly to other places if we keep on killing our our geniuses here. Because oh, when definitely. In, in, a, in a war, uh, I mean, a soldier cannot distinguish between a genius and a, and a retard. He will kill them both, right? <laughs> so, well, you know, another thing that sets us apart from the animals and our choices for violence is, you know, like something that came to my mind recently because I've been studying like one of Sedezigo's videos about Christianity, you know, brought me to remember this documentary that I have found recently. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard. I know people on TeamSpeak have heard my rant about like the devil not existing and um, hell not existing. Um, even if you're not an atheist, this information was important because they proved that you know the, there's all kinds of nonsense that went into the creation of their being an evil being. That in the original um, uh, documents that the Hebrew people can still read because they don't have to translate it 30 billion times. There was no devil and the concept that we've been led to believe there was no hell in the concept that we're led to believe and the reason this is relevant is we as human beings could come up with ridiculous irrational reasons to kill one of another that that don't make any sense at all you know they, like it, religion is a perfect example you know i've got to put you to death because you apparently believe in this other fictional being and you're you're, you know, paying more attention to him. So I guess it's time that we hang you. Um, Now, mind you, sometimes these people do have a rational self-interest involved. Like, you know, they, the church often would kill people so that they could take their stuff. 
um, a little unknown fact, but like, um, however, the fanatics in particular, those are people that can just start killing people just, you know, because they're, you know, the infidels or whatever. And the funny thing is like, even with the crusades, there was a completely, um, I, I, I feel like I'm going to have to take a shower after saying this, but rational reasoning behind it. They wanted what the people in the Middle East had. You know, that's a typical, like, you know, understandable, although aberrant and, uh, in my opinion, horrible reason to kill somebody. At least that was following the plan. The difference is, though, is that human beings can get duped into believing they're doing it for some other reason, whether it's nationalism, religion, um, you know, patriotism or whatever you want to call it. Um, people can get swept up in that and then start killing people, um, you know, for just completely, not just dumb reasons, but insane reasoning. Um, Stupid reasoning. Well, yeah, and then the religious books, people tend to forget, you know, it's like they're full of this stuff. You know, the Old Testament is just full of terrible things, you know, that people were made to do, you know, that were ordered to do, even by the God that they're valuing. And, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why I think that, um, you know, I think people who spend so much time on you know, attacking the Jesus character, I think that's a waste of time. Jesus is one of the only characters in the whole damn book who's not a violent mass murderer. Um, it's it's going after, uh, th that's why I said in a recent post, is that it's it's the Satan character that is where all of the trouble comes from. And it's not because the Satan character is doing it, it's because mankind takes it upon itself to, you know, to go around chasing Satan down, you know, and that's that to me is horrible. I mean, and then there's the patriotism issue. It's like they're one of the reasons Stormcloud's gathering took down his YouTube videos was I showed him some comments from people who said they want to show up at Z Day and start shooting people from the Zeitgeist movement because they think we're anti constitution and anti American and you know, the guy got into an argument with me about being American. I'm like, Yeah, I am American, asshole. I'm a Native American. Um, I know all about being American. I know that a group of people came over here from Europe and decided to slaughter us and take our land. I know all about your country. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, there's like, well, the Constitution, like, yeah, that included the idea that private property could include other human beings. You know, stop, you know, like praying to the gods that you have made the, the quote unquote founding fathers into. They were just humans, just right. people with flaws. You know, and that's that's why I said it's just it's amazing to me how crazy people will get. And that is one thing that I think that animals don't have. I mean, you, we have some examples of what could be considered to be rogue animals, but they're almost always diseased or there's something wrong with them. And that's the reason why they're randomly killing like rabies or whatever. But there's generally a predatory instinct involved. And even then, another major difference between us and the animals is that Animals are generally satisfied with the natural weapons that they were given by nature. You know, they don't feel the need to invent hydrogen bombs. Um, very little use of tools um, in animal-on-animal -animal warfare. Um, and because of that, though, it ends up serving a natural purpose in, you know, in uh, calling the herd, so to speak. That's another thing that, you know, an example, something Ted Nugent said um, – yeah. 
was when he went and was doing hunting in Michigan because we have an overabundance of deer because we destroyed the wolf population. Um, he he would go out into nature and feel that he was taking part in something, and he really respected the animals he was hunting. He respected the land that they lived on, you know. And that that is a difference, though, as compared to I need to own all of this black liquid stuff so that I can have all of this plastic stuff. And so therefore I've decided that I need to drop bombs in mass and slaughter, you know, your children. And, um, while I'm at it, I'll weave this ridiculous, you know, propaganda spell on everybody to make us all believe it's for patriotism and freedom or religion you know, and for those of you who haven't seen it, my, my brother is involved with the ministry and I had to talk him down because um, people had, uh, you know, it basically convinced him that Islam was inherently evil and that they all wanted to kill us and all this other crap. And, you know, I, I know a lot of Muslims and I'm not saying there are not extremist Muslims because there are. And I'm not saying Islam is a superior religion because it's not. It's still a religion and I'm still an agnostic leaning atheist, but still it's no worse or better than any other religion. It just so happens that there are theocracies that are using it right now to their, towards their own benefit. And the neo, you know, the neoconservatives that are using them towards their own benefit by making them into the boogeyman to justify all the evil that they're doing. It just, I guess that's my, my major point is that, you know, yes, animals will kill each other, but yeah, we're aware of this. And there's no reason we have to do it. And people can choose not to do that. People right. can choose to be pacifists. Animals cannot. My my whole point by bringing this this uh, this nature of violence thing was was to was to the was to point out that uh, many people get caught up in the confusion that there are superior races that the that the whites, for example are actually superior to 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 darker colored races and and they and then it could be for some people it could be almost as as if natural that 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 the white race would survive in from from all this equation because they are smart they are smarter they are richer they are they they have uh, many resources i mean more than the third world races but but let's not let, let's not forget that at NASA, for example, they have people from India, they have people from 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 Asia, from 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 Mexico, uh, from from everywhere in the world. They they have people working at NASA from every race. So there there is no such thing as as to think that there are superior races that would that would be uh, more benefit by being brighter than others. So let's not forget uh, – I'm not saying this whole thing to say, oh, we should all live in peace and harmony and hold each other's hands and, and live happily ever after and, and sing Kumbaya. I, I'm, I'm talking about uh, using having – having available all the brightest minds in the world that, that can come from and actually come from the poorest places because sometimes they, 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 they have to push – Five times harder to 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 uh, you know to grow as professionals or 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 such. So so sometimes the brightest minds come from the poorest places. So let's not uh, let's not diminish them by by thinking those kind of things. So I I just wanted to to make this 
to go in this tangent a little bit. That's why I brought this whole issue because there's no such thing as as a as a weaker or stronger kind of race. So so what do you guys think about that? Well, um you mean races in humans or Yeah, yeah, I mean that the violence sometimes comes from from the richest and 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 most powerful places and they they take oh, advantage. Yeah. Yeah, then they try to say that's a racial issue. You know, the yeah. funny thing is is that I grew up in the inner city and people uh of course associate violence with blacks and Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. The problem is is that when I lived in the inner city, sure, yeah, there was plenty of violence from that race. Um those races. Um and there was also a lot of violence from the white people who lived there. In fact, Walking home from school, I got attacked far more often by white kids that were trying to impress everybody else than I ever did by the black and the Hispanic kids. Sometimes um, I, I'm sorry, uh, go on. Know, just to finish, it's just that it's not a racial issue; it is an economic issue. And exactly. if if you have white people who come from that area, they're just as freaking you know. I mean, it's it's like my youngest sister grew up in that area, and she's stuck in that culture and I can't even really talk to her because we can't relate because I mean I I understood that culture and it still comes out of me sometimes like if somebody gets me to the point that I'm angry enough that I'm going to be violent my my ghetto will come out um but that happens so rarely so it, but either way though it's um it is not a racial issue it is totally a, a, a an economic and therefore cultural you know cultures that arrive in those economic structures and actually a ironic thing that came up recently was the this video that i spread around and it's relevant to this was that there was they they were doing this test to see what would happen if you had a guy obviously abducting a little girl in the middle of the street and they they videotaped it to see what would happen they had an the little girl was an actress and the guy that was doing it was actually a police officer pretending to be an abductor and they videotaped this happening like i think it was like 20 times and they were doing this in a semi you know suburban area but you know like there was a downtown thing going on so not a single person did anything about it except for these two Young black males were the only people who did anything to try to help this young girl screaming, this is not my father, help me. You know, all of the, the – there were white people who would walk by, kind of maybe look, and then just go back to shopping like nothing was going on. And the only people who would help was a couple of inner city young black males whom if somebody's parents saw going near their white little little daughter – would probably react negatively. And they were the only two people who were willing to do anything about it. And not only were they willing to do something about it, they were going to beat that guy down. <laughs> right. I just thought to myself, man, you know, this is a serious middle finger to racists because if you went down south and asked them who do you think would have helped this little white girl, it would not have been a couple of young black males. You know? And right. That, right. So, but yeah, just it's, it's so bogus that they try to label that as a racial issue. Uh, sometimes I wonder, sometimes you guys have probably wondered, why is it that uh, in most parts of the world, in the richest countries, it seems to be uh, uh, that the white race seems to be 
richer, uh, generally speaking, in the richest countries in the world. So the, the white race seems to have gathered uh, more wealth than any other race in the world. And if we study history, we could find the re many reasons for that to be uh, a fact. Back in the, in, the, in the Middle Ages in Europe, the, 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 the white race that was more predominantly living there are the ones that started the whole banking thing, the whole money, the, the, the first empires, the, the Romans, the, uh, the, the English uh, empire. You know, they, they were predominantly white and they started spreading around the world uh, imposing this banking thing. So probably uh, the white race, you know, that back in the, back in the days, it was a sin to get mixed with uh, with the blacks or with the natives or or whatever. So, so the rich people uh, kept uh, uh, you know getting married and had kids only with white people. So that's that's probably one of the reasons why the whites are predominantly richer uh, overall. Would well, you know, it's it is the, there was a whole effort that went into that though, uh, the manifest destiny thing, you know, that was that fueled United States policy against the Native Americans. Um, you know, it, it, it does seem to be that way. And, and the funny thing is, it's ironic that she brought that up because it actually brought up one of my favorite debates against anti-Semitism, um, because people go, well, the Jewish banking conspiracy, and I'm like, you know, I have a lot of Jewish friends, and I don't just mean people who happen to be Jewish who just you know live like I mean Orthodox Jewish friends. And I remember you know like in the novel Ivanhoe, for example, which is about the ancient times of knights and stuff. You know there was a main character in that film and <coughs> that story. You know who was a Jewish guy who had money, and you know I I talked to some Jewish people. Well, why is it that you guys have a reputation for having money? And they said, well. Um, culturally, it was all we were allowed to do. We were banned from doing anything um, except banking. We were not allowed to have trades. We were not allowed to, you know, engage in commerce in any fashion other than usury. And the reason for that was because usury was illegal in the Catholic Church, so they used us to be their bankers um, because it wasn't illegal in our religion. So... That's the reason they end up with all the money. And then so then people go, well, there's all these evil Jewish people you know, that happen to be you know, bankers. And I'm just like, no, it's the happen to be bankers part you need to be thinking about. It's no more true that all black people or Hispanic people are violent in the inner city than it is that all Jewish people happen to be rich. But, you know, but there does happen to be a lot of cultural issues that bring money into their lives. And I've, I've seen the way they live. They're very frugal. You want to know why they have money? Because they're very specific about what they spend money on, and they don't make bad investments, and they've studied it very closely. So that's why they have money. It's you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that are Jewish that are that aren't abusing their money, but there are. But the problem with us, and you know, once again, it's like the opposite end of the spectrum. It's you know, it is once again an economic and therefore cultural effect, because they happen to be the rich people. They're not the only rich people. There are destructive yeah. black rich people. There are destructive exactly. white rich people. You know, that's who, it. Who, <laughs> Go ahead. Who were, who were the people who came to America first? I mean, it was England. It was the Spanish Empire. 
I mean, the 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 biggest empires back in the day, the Romans, the 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 the, uh, the Spanish, the the Irish, they were the biggest uh, empires, and they were they were the sta- the the ones that started the, the whole banking thing again. So so when they came to America, they were the the predominantly rich and 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 powerful people. So it's it's not surprised that that the that the natives here in America, the Africans that came here that that came here as slaves, it's no wonder that up to this up to this day, the 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 situation have hasn't changed really that much, huh? Well, it has changed a lot, and I mean, you know, the funny thing is though is that it it hasn't changed. I mean, it just so happens that that's the economic. You know, have to remember, slaves came over here and then they were liberated. And where do you think they would have ended up? You know, because they didn't have an education. You know, and that and that's kind of the situation. And the, the funny thing is, though, you see this in other impacts, environmental impacts. Um, Africans and Mexicans tend to be the best boxers, um, and they come from cultures where you know that where violence is pretty much a day to day thing. You know, because we um, fight because we fight out of hunger. goddammit. it. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, and it just it just so happens that it's very prevalent, and it's also not very expensive to get into boxing. Some of the greatest boxing gyms on the earth are in the ghetto of Detroit. Like some of the ba- greatest boxers of all time come from the ghetto. Like that's there's a you know, and you go into these gyms where these legendary boxers come from and you're like wow how could any rich person ever get produced in this place you know because it's you know it's it's a very simple place in many cases it looks like a dump but that's that's a profession that those people are good at there and it's you know also that's actually another excellent point um, you'll notice that there's a huge physiological difference between black people in Africa and black people in the United States black people in Africa tend to be very thin. Um, you know, they're very good at running, um, but black people in the United States tend to be much bigger and amazing athletes. And unfortunately, what does that do to, you know, well, as my one of my friends, James Blackfellow pointed out, he's like, well, the reason we're better at this stuff is because, you know, we were bred to be physical. You know, exactly. you, don't, you don't have your your thin slave breed with your thin slave you have your you know stronger slave breed with your stronger slave and then you produce excellent athletes so it puts anybody who's not from that stock at a disadvantage you know just due to raw physical um yeah go ahead yeah things have changed like you said i mean uh, nowadays there's uh hundreds of billionaires from all nationalities but the preva- what, what prevails is Heal the white power worldwide. I mean, in Germany, in in England, in in the United States, they were so shocked that 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 a black president was was uh, supposedly chosen by the people, and and the that, that the system allowed it to be. But we all know that's uh, you know that's for another conversation. But they were they were so shocked that a black guy was allowed to take the presidential chair. So there's there's still the the most of the power in white hands. I mean, that's absolutely uh, obvious up to this day. And I and I and you know, that's that's the whole issue here. But not to, not but but again, it's, this is not to be confused with the to think that they are the superior race per se. I mean, it just happens so because of our history and the history of money and how the empires grew and how they took over 
most parts of the world by by using the huge resources that they built based on gold and and based on monetary things. So that's how you build an empire and and you get uh, uh, enormously powerful if you if you have the resources to. So it could be a black uh, it, it could be a, a a black power if things were were had been different in history. I mean, that's the whole point. Right. Now, Aaron, you're back. I want to call you up. Um, we've been talking about just the issues of uh, how it seems that um, the culture seems to be that white people tend to be in positions of power. Um, and we were talking about how uh, they often try to associate you know, black people and Hispanic people with violence as if it was inherent. And we pointed out that it was actually cultural because I've grown up in a neighborhoods that are full of both colors of people um, and found that the, all the white kids that were there were just as violent. It wasn't racial. Um, do you have any points on that? Um, I guess I would just say the only reason I think white people have traditionally been dominating the dominating race uh, in a lot of these uh, empires and stuff is by happenstance mostly. And then, from there, it would kind of build on itself, but it's like uh, Al said, it's not uh, that we're a better race. We, I'm white, um, but uh, I wouldn't even say that makes us a better race, that we're going around dominating everyone. That would almost make us worse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, that's why we were right. saying, because that's the example that I used, for example, that people say the Jewish bankers as if implying there's some kind of racial reasoning behind it. And I pointed out the, the cultural reason for Jews being bankers is that it was the only thing they were allowed to be, ironically, because they were being oppressed. <laughs> they were, right, they were right. actually forbidden to participate in any other trade. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's well, it's it's the things you learn when you actually, you know, gasp, get to know the people in question. Um, and yeah, and they all the Jewish right. people I've ever met were extremely nice, you know, um, and also very open about things. Um, like, you know, I remember because at the time that I was hanging out at the wedding, I was still like a pagan, and they asked me what my religious beliefs were, and I told them, you know, tensing up, expecting to get the, the, the same reaction I would get out of Christians, and they were, they all smiled and said, oh, okay. Yeah, I read about you guys in school. You guys are really cool, you know. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that was not what I expected at all. And then the more I hung out with them, the more I understood why. But it's it comes back to that stuff I was telling you about how in their religion, pretty much all good people go to heaven. And they have certain rules, but Gentiles actually have it easy. <laughs> Gentiles get to heaven much easier. They can eat all the pork they want. Yeah, yeah, we, we can not follow the rules and still go to heaven. I don't know. It sounds good to me, I guess. <laughs> right. Now, um, Chibi, did you have anything to add about this racial stuff? No, it's not my topic of preference. The only thing I'd say about the Jewish thing is that usury was actually uh, against Catholic dogma. Um, against yeah, I their... that too. Oh, I wasn't sure if you did. Yep. So, no, that's basically they they forbade the Jews from doing anything but being bankers because they were not allowed to be bankers. Oh. <laughs> it was like what a what a bad thing, huh? To get the to get the handle the banks. Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> what okay. a bad thing for them. <laughs> well, it's just well, it allowed them to you know because they didn't care if Jews went to heaven. Obviously, you know they weren't going to heaven. So you know, well, since it's a sin for us to engage in usury, we'll just let you do it for us. <laughs> you know? It's like so messed up. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, you know a story about a Japanese girl during the uh, the time period when um, Christianity it had moved into Jap- Japan, feudal Japan, and her Japanese culture demanded that she commit seppuku, but her Christian religion told her that she was not allowed to commit suicide. So she had to order one of her guards to kill her, and I, it's, it's it shouldn't be funny because it's about somebody dying, but. When you think about the different ways that people's cultures can put them in a pickle, and their solution ends up being, well, I'm not allowed to kill myself, so you, you have to kill me. I'm ordering you now. Wait, why, why did she have to die? Did I miss the beginning there? Uh, what's she would have been captured. Seppuku is ritual suicide in Japanese culture. Okay. And if she, if to be captured and obviously then therefore raped was worse than death in their culture. So she was a noble lady and she was put in a situation where her Japanese culture demanded suicide and her Christian religion demanded no suicide. And so the quickest solution she could come up with was ordering one of her soldiers to kill her. Um, Pretty messed up. Um, Yeah, yeah. Now you have more of this blog to read, don't you, Al? Well, I, I I wanted to come back to the uh, video game issue. Oh yeah, go ahead. That that uh, you know we all grew up. We are. Remember, coming... we have thirty minutes, and I want to be sure you get through the whole thing. But do go into the video yeah, game I, issue. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to read. I I, I just wanted to come back to the uh, oh, video yeah, go game ahead. because everything I I read it was pretty much uh, bits of issues that we could go deep into. So going back to that, I mean, we are. Uh, we we grew up with this uh with a massive uh industry of of war related video games and we all learned to use uh, all kinds of military uh i mean fantasy weapons and sometimes real weapons i mean if you work in the in in uh in the Pentagon or Halliburton General Electric, Lockheed Martin, and you can't have uh, regular TV commercials like like the regular companies. What do you do? I mean, you you have you still want to uh, show your your newest development in in killing machines. So you use you. What do you do? You you can you can uh, brag about them in the in the in video games, right? So so it's amazing to see five year olds, ten year olds, I mean, uh practically uh massively killing entire civilizations in a billi- in a video game. It's amazing how easy and how hard how harsh it has become to see the gods and to see uh to see uh you know massacres in front of the TV and kids are looking at it as as if it was something natural you know like it's it's too bad for to for a for a video game to show uh the the, bre- the a women's breasts but it's totally normal to to massacre entire civilizations right yeah. i mean it's it's just no, amazing you know awesome you you make an interesting point and that's something actually that i realized was going on even in myself you know, like the games that uh, people play, like uh, the 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 Grand Theft Auto games, 
Oh my God! Wow, you know, that like it, it's not just that it's you know it, it's in my opinion almost worse than than war games because in war games in theory you know you're generally killing bad guys. You yeah, know? you're generally in a, in a war zone. Right, and but <laughs> but in Vice City, for example. You know, I, I realized one day, very few people that I know, anyway, they buy the game. They very rarely ever actually play the game. They don't get involved in the story. You know, they just run around stealing cars or randomly beating people to death on the side of the road. Yeah. Like, that's all they do. I mean, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. Literally, get a bat, randomly walk up to a person walking down the road... And, and for no out. reason, yeah, beat them to death, complete with blood pooling yeah. underneath them. And, you know, and it just occurred to me, I'm like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anybody ever beat this game. They'll put it in and they'll mess with it for a while. But all they really do is just randomly assault people, you know. And the the point of the game is to be a criminal, you know, obviously. Yeah. But the fact that it even allows that interaction, that pointless slaughter that you can essentially play a video game where you can be a serial killer. And it even kind of, um, you know, realistically depicts how dangerous it would be. Right. <laughs> because you can get cops coming after you and stuff. You know, um, you don't generally you have could... to deal with homicides showing up at your door to, to arrest you. But if the cops see you, you're in trouble, you know. Yeah, if the criminality level on your screen was at the, at the highest, you had the whole army... Behind you, it was mm -hmm. it was wow. I, I, it, it was amazing how that game uh, got so famous and got huge sales around the world. I mean, it was the most violent game at the time, probably, where you could uh, run over uh, pedestrians with your car. You could, like you said, grab a bat and beat the hell out of anyone on the street and. Jesus Christ! I mean, can you imagine this in the mind of a of a kid again? I mean, it, it, it was, appeals it was, to uh, like to the know. rebellious ideas of you know teenagers and stuff. Like I used to play uh, Grand Theft Auto and did the exact same thing Neil was just saying. You just drive around and beat people up because it's fun, or like I I don't know. I like I've done a complete 180 in my opinion on those type of things, and I don't play those games anymore, but. It's something that I was caught up into, not too much, but when I did play that game, that's exactly what I did. What me said. too. Yeah. And I, yeah, me and too. It's, it's messed up, and I mean, I admit that I went through that phase myself, and it's, and I didn't realize it until later. And then you have games like Mortal Kombat, and once again, in Mortal Kombat, there is actually a good versus evil thing, so that helps you justify it. But the fatalities were like this thing that you had to master and then your reward was splattering another being. You know, that's it's interesting that we're getting into all this because Roger Stahl, uh, Professor Roger Stahl, actually, who was on my recent radio show where I had um, Peter Joseph from Zeitgeist, Ben Stewart from Esoteric Agenda and Chimatica, um, and Roger Stahl from Militainment Incorporated um, that mostly talks about how the media turns war into entertainment. Um, but he also made a, a recent film called um, Returning Fire, and it was a look at the video game war culture. Um, you know, he's been he's his new movie is going to be coming out. Unfortunately, it's only 45 minutes long, but 
I've gotten to have a sneak preview of one of the interviews of a guy who would go into America's Army, which is a recruitment tool for the Army, a very realistic, you know, game. And uh, he would go in there and he would post the 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 names of soldiers who had died, you know, that died on this day, you know, via this means, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all he would do. He would just type that stuff in the chat. And the reactions that he got from people were pretty weird. You know, people said, you're trolling, <laughs> you know, for talking about real dead people. Well, by the way, that's what we're reenacting here is, is real dead people, you know, and that's... I, I asked myself because I, you know, I play a live-action role-playing game. How how can I justify this? And I realized the reason I can justify this is because of the fact that I really can play a good guy character. That's what I do out there. Actually, I play like a paladin, cavalier kind of character who's, you know, I get to help people and you know rescue people and put myself in a situation where that's actually feasible. It's kind of sad that I can only do it in a video game, but. You know, um, but there's no, but because it's, you know, it's a fantasy game, there is a real good and evil. You know, there's no, uh, like in the wars that we engage in, there's no industrial, <laughs> military industrial complex, you know, pushing false flag operations to get us to go to war. It's, well, there's bad guys and they're they're here to get us, you know. And then that's when I realized right. that, that that's a delusion that is often put into things. We're told, you know, that's actually something that got brought up in that film I watched today was the idea that, um, you know, was that the idea that we watch a lot of films that tell us that there are good guys and that there are bad guys to give us the impression that that can happen. And then you find us using that as a tool to justify it, not only in video games, but in reality. That's why it's okay. We were there to get the evil Saddam. You know, he's a bad guy. He's the new Hitler. We got to get rid of this guy. He's really bad, bad, bad. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Now, mind you, we're not going to tell you about the fact that when he gassed the Kurds, that we, for some reason, didn't give a damn about when he did it. Um, we're not going to tell you, oh, by the way, we gave him those chemical weapons. You know, we're not going right. to talk about that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the industry is so hypocritical that they they don't only create the weapons for to invade another country, but also they will sell the guns to their to their enemies. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just that is just mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a 3D animator and a and a and a CG artist myself. Back in 2006, I was I was awarded first place uh, in a challenge. From the video, from the game developers conference and, and CG Society, and and uh, it was a challenge about creating a cinematic for a video game. I designed uh, an original story for a video game in which uh, the main characters of this game were were to be sent uh, to rescue missions and helping missions around the world, and they could uh, use weapons. Non, non-lethal weapons to deal with their enemies. They could use explosives and, you know, the typical video games thing that that make that make uh, that makes them so addictive. Guns, explosives, and and, uh, and a huge plot around it. So I decided not to, to not to leave them out, but to include them in a different perspective per se, using non-lethal weapons. You know, weapons that you could sleep your opponent for a few. For a few minutes, so you could do, so you could reach uh, a certain level, and and things like that. And I, and I just uh, sent my story and my video 
I actually painted the characters, I, I animated them. You have to do the whole thing, you know, the, to, to write the story, to, to design the characters, and to make a, a short animation about the, the whole thing. And I sent it, and I, and I wasn't expecting that much because, uh, because uh, it was a bit of, uh, hey, peace and love, we can use uh, non-lethal weapons, you know. It, it was a bit contradictory. But actually, I won. I was selected uh, from from several other uh, competitors around the world, and and the ceremony was was in San Francisco, and I was quite su quite surprised that the president from the Game Developers Conference himself went there to give me the award personally, and I and I made a long thanking speech at the ceremony, and and I and I was talking about how trashy the the whole industry is, how creative less has become, uh, and, and, you know, overall, uh, I was the one that gave the longest thanking speech, and, and I got in return uh, uh, a long and loud applause, and, and, and I, was, I was, you know, I felt like, uh, I, I, I was very, very excited about the whole thing, and I went back with a big smile, but, uh, you know, nothing, uh, I, I, was, I was so glad that I got the message across, but nothing I, 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 I would be dreaming to to expect that the industry would would just leave the money and profit out of it and the and the entertaining war glorifying video games because of because of some uh, uh, you know dreamy uh, direction right so so I was quite surprised that that they appreciated my work the the the, the very president from the GDC got it, and 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 that 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 to me was 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 so amazing. But you know, but uh, right now, back in 2011, you know, you see what kind of games, Gears of War. You see, I mean, you Kill Kill Zone. You you will see, I mean, practically uh, dozens of of war glorifying video games. Coming out every week, you know, like like as if it was some 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 sort of plot on on that on that uh, style of gaming per se. You know, and that's it's interesting. It just occurred to me as another way that I I still end up playing some of those video games is that in my fiction stories that I'm writing, um, the main bad guys are supernatural creatures, which is another only reason why I can still do this is because, you know, they're demons or vampires or whatever, you know, evil creatures, you know, so there's no question as to whether or not they're evil. Um, and the main characters are essentially that, you know, the, 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 the basis of the story is that, um, that essentially all of the conspiracy theories and things that we see, this stuff about the Illuminati and all that is actually fueled by various supernatural beings. Um, you know, evil beings that are trying to control the world, essentially. And so to stand against them, in my story anyway, the Knights Templar, rather than becoming the Masons or whatever, still existed. And um, they recruit from, like, elite special forces groups and stuff like that to, to fight vampires and demons. Um, and so when I'm playing these video games, I tend to imagine, essentially, that I'm, I'm play portraying one of those characters. <laughs> and in, in my mindset, I'm thinking, well, I'm learning about this is like, because most of them come from a position where they're initially anyway, obviously, they were soldiers at one time in their lives. 
and then they took those those same skills on to to, to you know to slay supernatural creatures. And you find out in the storyline that you know that mankind is actually you know constantly being manipulated by you know these supernatural beings, and that you know they they all turn their their talents in that direction. So, in other words, the only way I can even play these video games anymore. Because I don't think to myself, oh, look, I shot a soldier. That's so cool. You know, is that I'm essentially um, almost using it to kind of help me envision the kind of, you know, fighters that these people would be that I have fighting real bad guys. So, um, but overall, though, I, you know, I I think, um, you know, actually, Chibi, I don't think we've heard from you on this subject of video games. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't really sure where this conversation was going anymore. Um, I mean, what about <laughs> if you ask me a specific question, I might have an answer. I, I play video games, uh, from, but I don't know what to say about it. Well, just in regards to the way our culture glorifies um, violence and stuff in video games. Yeah, well, I mean, what you guys have said uh, covers most. That's a really, I think that's a whole another show in itself, really. <laughs> well, I definitely I, mean, I already talked to Dr. Stahl about being or <clears throat> Professor Stahl about being on our show about that. So, um, but in any case, yeah, I guess that's basically where we were at. Um, Aaron, you got anything else? Uh, video games? No, not really. I was never really a big player of uh, them anyway. I like 2D side scrollers like Sonic and Mario. <laughs> yeah, that the, the violence in those games is a little easier to deal with. Yeah, you just jump on people. That sucks, but I'll just jump on you and and squish you or. Yeah. Yeah, that's. (laughs) And a completely humorous note, actually, um, for those of you who are listening, uh, we're not familiar with uh, college humor. Um, There's a very funny video called Bowser's Minions, where the various characters from the Mario Brothers video games are so frustrated with the fact that Bowser gave them all these crazy rules, like the Green Turtles are angry because they walk off of walls. <laughs> you know, they're like, you know what I do? I walk off walls. Like a lemming. It's terrible. <laughs> you know? And then, like, the, the guy who's on the end of a chain, you know, he's like, damn it, why did Bowser put this chain on my body? <laughs> um, and then the bullet character, you know, he's like, why is it that if he lands on top of me, I, you know, I'm not dangerous, but if, but if he hits me from below, then I kill him. That doesn't make any sense, you know? And it's like all the characters are basically giving their gripes. As somebody just gave the link, it's freaking funny as heck. You should definitely watch Bowser's Minions if you haven't, because I, I won't ruin the ending for you because it's it's really awesome. But um, but yeah, anyway, um, a little easier to get along with, you know, violence against characters that you've noticed like never seem to really die. Anyway, um, you know, Bowser always comes back. Uh, yeah. There's no. It's the gore and the graphic detail that you miss out on in those games. Exactly. <laughs> I I play uh, like MMOs like World of Warcraft. So it's, it's there's violence for sure, but it's not blood and gore. And you know, you just go to a graveyard and come right back. So. Yeah. No. The, the only thing that ever brought this dope. up actually during the show that I had with Jack Reed because we kept for some reason ending up getting onto conversations about video games was the fact that um, consumerism finds its way into video games. Yeah, that, I have a huge problem with that. And even this game, I don't. I, I play it from time to time just, just because I have nothing better to do in certain moments where it's like, you know, I'm, I've watched too many documentaries in one week or I've done, you know, and I just need 
to just and rather than sit and stare at the wall, I'm like, yeah, I'll turn on this game, but uh, it's not really fun. Well, yeah, not, I know. I it's, it. it's it's just something to burn time from time to time. It I guess. just seems to tap in it, and the funny thing is, they design <laughs> these games to make them have even more and more work in them. You know, uh, just like repetitive, boring tasks. It's like it taps into our our you know our conditioned mindset to think that we always have to be working. And it's funny because I remember you know people suggesting that you need to have a good work ethic. You know, the reason you don't like World of Warcraft is you don't have a good work ethic. I'm like, what? He's like, well, you're not willing to work for things and earn them. And I said, no, dude, I just don't pay another company <laughs> to make me work to play their game. <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm One, not just going to sit here for hours and hours and hours doing repetitive, boring bullshit and pay for the privilege to do that. <laughs> One thing I would say, though, a lot of, I, you know, when you hear that violent video games produce violent behavior. I don't buy that, that that just because somebody played GTA, they're going to go run somebody over. And I don't think anybody here does, but yeah. it's worth know, pointing and out. And that, that it, too, cause that's, it, it does desensitize people to the... Exactly. Like, um, yeah. Especially the war game franchise, just as um, that other gentleman pointed out on your previous show. Like Stahl. Roger Stahl, yeah. That was him. Yeah, that, 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 that's the... That's the main issue. I mean, how how desensitized we have become by by this media and the movies and the violent TV shows. But but uh, when it comes to video games, we are talking about kids here. I mean, when they grow up, they are so used to this this level of violence and gore and and massacre and 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 guts being ripped out and. You know that's that's the the sad part about it, the 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 really sad part. You know that they grow I, so. <clears throat> I do think know. actually, I mean, most people uh, there. I'm sure there are exceptions, but most people are able to dif- differentiate pretty well in between the video <laughs> violence and when they they really see blood in real life or really somebody really dies. It, it is a completely different understanding. I mean. Okay. I, 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 as you guys were just saying earlier, we all played Mortal Kombat when we were probably, well, I don't know how old you guys were. I must have been like seven or something, and I didn't. Uh, I, I find violence very appalling, and it didn't, you know, affect me in a way that I feel any less uh, sensitive to it. But there's a lot of factors that plays into that. But well, that's the other thing. The moment you see real violence, you do know the difference. Um, But it, it still begs the question: Well, why? Why, why do we even need that kind of gratuitous violence in the video games? Exactly, it's fun, you know. Well, that's exactly. the other thing when I was talking about about the consumerism, uh, the, the story. I think I brought this up in the previous show, and I I talked about this with, um, was that I remember one day I was playing World of Warcraft before I got the sensation of wanting to gouge my eyes out every time I logged in, um, and we were arguing about strategy in one of the um, oh, what do they call them? Battle zones or whatever, you know. And um, I'm a. I've always been into strategy, so I'm like, well, why don't we doing? Why aren't we doing this? And so I ended up getting into a debate with this guy who had been playing longer, and I was pretty clearly right, and there were other people agreeing with me. So his answer to that was to pull out the the ad hominem that I never expected to see in a video game. But apparently, my points were irrelevant because my gear was not as cool as his. You know, it was like the not wearing Nikes in high school thing all over again. 
you know, because my care is mostly green and blue, that means that my my opinion is not relevant. Whereas his gear is all purple, and therefore his opinion is relevant, you know. And it, I was right. just like taken aback by the fact that you know people really, they you know, social stratification is in our entertainment. It's built into our video games. I was right. like, really? You're seriously going there? Come on, man. You know. And then they have it. It also breeds an elitist attitude because some of these people, well, I'm part of this guild, and that makes me really cool. We're the best known PVPers and all that other stuff. And you, well, you're just in some nobody guild. Nobody cares about you. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm really glad I paid 15 bucks an hour to go back to high school. The only difference is I can't take this guy into the you know <laughs> the lunchroom later and give him a, a taste of his own medicine to get him to leave me alone, you know, yeah. which I don't yeah. advocate obviously, but that's product of the culture that I was in the time. So we are be- we are becoming so unattached to reality to actually buy, um, what do they call it, uh, internet property in in those. Uh, there are video games in which you can actually buy uh, fictitious items, and you can and you, you can only see them on your computer screen. I mean, how the how detached from reality are we uh, are we at this point in time? It's just amazing, huh? And then yeah. we still get mad about it. Go ahead, Aaron. I was gonna say, yeah, I saw a video about this woman who now makes her entire living selling uh, items she designed on Second Life. It's jewelry and things like that, but they're all just pixels on a screen that she exactly. made. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So ridiculous, man. The people buying gold in World of Warcraft and then the other games too. You know, can you ima- can you imagine how 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 insecure and how uh, the the lack of enjoyment of from our from our own lives that we have to rely on watching what other people is doing on TV and and how many things you have bought how many fictional fictitious items you have bought in order to feel that that uh, that you are actually doing something with your life instead of you know uh, learning more things and and uh, have a more for for fulfilling life overall that reminds me actually and i i i I keep you need to bother noel but uh tank top noel the guy who played the main character hero from uh zeitgeist addendum and zeitgeist moving forward was on my radio show and he told me we were talking about a topic similar to this he told me for example iphone apps are worth a lot of money and there was one app that all it did was it gave a picture for your iphone that showed that you had the app, and then the apps costed a thousand dollars. That's all it did, and it was basically the app was called "I'm Rich." So you purchase this, <laughs> and it means you're rich, and that's it. <laughs> so it's just as bad as the three thousand dollar handbag, only worse because only it worse. doesn't even exist. <laughs> it's just a goddamn picture <laughs> on your iPhone that proves right. that you. We're a dumb enough person to spend a thousand dollars on something that you could do yourself. I mean, right? But, but no, this is special. It cost me a thousand bucks. I have the respect for my peers because I bought the the most expensive one. God damn it! You know, I, I, I think I might have to download the cracked version of that. <laughs> you know, we do is just make one and, and it states. I think that you know the the, the app should be. In, 
I think that rich people suck. This app costs one penny, and it has a picture of a starving boy on the cover of it. Because that's the first thing that would come into my mind. So you spend a thousand dollars, you know, here. Well, I have this app that's better than your app, and I'm going to take that picture of a starving African child and show it to him. Imagine what you could have done with that thousand dollars, you freaking idiot! Right. <laughs> Seriously. Would, right. Next logical step would be charge two thousand dollars, and then people buy that one, so they can outdo the people with the thousand dollars. No kidding. But when you think about it, you know it's genius in its own evil scientist sort of way. The guy who did that. All it does is that it proves that you have it. You know, right. it's like putting a Nike symbol on the side of a shoe. That's it. Right. And that somehow makes the shoe better. I don't. I don't remember when. When in which documentary I saw uh, this this kid. I think he was nine or something from the U.S. That that he was. Uh, his parents told him about some village in in Africa or something. And they told them that they didn't have water and they didn't have electricity and they didn't have anything. And this kid started something on the internet and he raised the he raised the money and actually went there to, to that poor village and actually helped those those uh, natives to to build their own uh, water pump from uh, on the ground. And I was totally amazed of how much how much an idea can grow on a kid and 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 teach him and teach him something that will last for his entire life i mean can you imagine the 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 uh, i mean this this memory in this kid will 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 stay with him until the day he dies and 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 how much we let our kids to be stuck on the on the freaking tv or or a stupid video game doing doing nothing but to but to kill pixels and this kid uh, did something that most companies don't even have the courage to 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 do i mean whole companies that have thousands of of uh, of dollars to to actually do small things like this and this 9 year old kid did it and it, i i was so amazed by that so well guys um it's been an amazing conversation thanks again for coming on al um, oh, we're down to the last very welcome. Um, and uh, I want to tell everybody once again, you know, if you enjoyed this conversation and the other shows like it, please consider a donation at vradio.org. Um, I won't charge you $1,000 for an iPhone app, but um, <laughs> your assistance does help me. Um, this is essentially a publicly funded effort, and um, I hope I mean, that you guys are getting out of it what you're putting into it. Um, right. And uh, Al, thanks again for coming on. I look forward to having you on future episodes. And Aaron, of course. Um, thank you again for coming on, Aaron. Your participation is always appreciated. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And um, do we have any future projects for videos coming from you? Uh, I think the next thing I'm going to do after Z Day is I'm working on a video with um, the Straw Prophet. He goes by on the forums from Zeitgeist Alaska. It's about what is legitimate authority. And uh not to spoil the ending, but it's kind of reality. That's cool. <laughs> what we come down to. Yeah. And thanks again, Chibi, for coming on. Yep. Always good to brush up on my cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Um thanks again for tuning in to V Radio. Please visit my website, V hyphen or V minus radio dot org. Um and uh 
I appreciate all of the donations that I've gotten, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed the shows that have come so far. I really do enjoy when you guys give me um, requests for specific types of shows. Just when you're saying, hey, get me somebody on, um, do me a favor and get a way to contact them and put that in the email because uh, three-quarters of the time that goes into this show is trying to track down how to get a hold of these people in the first place. So, um, And uh, also, please join the V Radio forums. I put them there for a reason. You do not have to be a supporter of the Zeitgeist Movement to be uh, a user on my forums. So if you want to have a debate, you can feel free to go there. Just avoid um, uh Logical fallacy. That's the only thing that basically I put rules against. Your freedom of speech, at least on my forums, is not going to include your freedom to pollute the conversation with bullshit. Um, and uh, also the V Radio Facebook fans of V Radio. Um, I've been looking to get more people on that because I use that to post a lot of good stuff. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. I'll leave you with some words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is John Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.